You know, it's, it's still something that Duke's really good at. They have a really good red zone defense, and Florida State's going to have to capitalize when they get down in the red zone. They can't have like they had last week, you know, after they got that fumble in plus territory. You can't have a four and out. It just can't happen against Duke. It's too good of a defense. Hey, guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, go Nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from Here the Spirit for the ATV by NoGameDay.com. We are here live on a wonderful, fantastic Wednesday evening, and it is Duke week, and we're not talking basketball here. We're talking football. This is going to be a top 16, so close to saying top 15 matchup, but top 16 matchup between Florida State and the Blue Devils as Mike Elko and his team come down to town for a 7.30 primetime ABC kickoff in Tallahassee, a sold-out Doe Campbell Stadium once again. Seems to be uh, – it's setting up to be a really fun atmosphere in Tallahassee. A night game finally. I felt like we've been going through like early games all throughout the last couple of – almost a month it feels like or more. But now Florida State getting a night game, going to be a rowdy stadium – a lot of a lot of chatter about it. Big time implications for the ACC championship uh, at the end of the year. So, looking forward to previewing this uh, at the end or at the near the end of the episode. So, make sure you guys stay tuned for that. We'll be giving our score predictions as well. We're going to talk some injury updates on Johnny Wilson. We're also going to talk about some Darius Washington, Bless Harris as well. We're going to talk uh, Mike Elko and what he said about Florida State. Also. We're keeping a close eye on Riley Leonard. We got an update on him from Duke's side earlier today. So a lot of good updates and a jam-packed episode if you're looking for a full-on preview of Florida State versus Duke. So with me this evening is Dustin Lewis, our editor-in-chief at NoelGameDay.com up there with me. And then down below is Austin VZ, our lead game preview writer for the 2023 season and lead basketball writer as well. Gentlemen, how are we doing? It's Duke week. It feels a little different. We were talking about in the production meeting, but it definitely feels like this is going to be a tight and close game. It doesn't get any better than this. Uh, Saturday night in Tallahassee, Kirk Herbstreit, Chris Fowler, and Holly Rowe on the call. Uh, top 25 matchup between Florida State and Duke, a team that the Seminoles have never lost to on the football field. But I think we've got to say this is probably – the best Blue Devils team that the program has ever faced in a single game matchup. And I mean, it's going to be really exciting. There's a lot of talent on both sides. And obviously, it's going to be huge for Duke if Riley Leonard's able to make it back for this one after suffering what looked to be a really nasty injury at the end of that loss to Notre Dame. It's, it's weird, isn't it? You know, we're heading into Duke week and, you know, for our entire lives, Duke's just been Duke in football. And here they are, really great program. Mike Elko's built them up to be a really good football team. They hunt in well against Notre Dame. They really took it to Clemson that first week of the season. Um, 
but I will say the last time Duke came to Tallahassee ranked 16th was 1994 and they lost 59 to 20. So mm. anything can happen. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it should be fun. It's homecoming week. It's, you know, Florida State's going to be doing all the heritage stuff. That's why I'm wearing the turquoise today. It's going to be a fun week. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, it is. Don't you think they should do the end zones? Turquoise. That, I was going to bring that up. Shout out Knowles Unis for for that mock-up with the turquoise end zones. Those were sick. And I know fans will quabble and whatever else, but those were really cool. Yes, there, there's a stark difference between a gator blue and this turquoise, just putting that out there just from eyes perspective. But just also knowing what they've had out on the field right now, on Bobby Bowden Field, I don't, not a big fan of just leaving the end zones not painted out in garnet. I think it looks strange, doesn't look great on TV as well. I don't know what the idea is for that. I don't know if there's some kind of budget cut as Florida State's preparing for a massive uh, stadium um, renovation here, but uh, I don't like the, I don't like the end zones like they're yeah, at. I, I saw it somewhere. I forget where I saw it that it was that was kind of out of Florida State's hands. That maybe it was a budget thing, but yeah, it looks kind of goofy. And whether it's you're painting it garnet or painting it white, or you got to do something. It just does look a little basic. We're not worried about paint. We're worried about wins, guys. No, oh, here we go. I know. Me and Austin are here trying to give like some kind of. Uh, you know, some style guide to what we think the field should look like. But Dustin wears the gray shirts every day, and you know he's fine with. He's wearing he black about. today. This is the you first in a while. You don't need flash to be successful. I mean, just just look at this guy. <laughs> yeah, same thing every day. Same thing every day. Sometimes working. it switches up on the shoes, but it's just another pair of black shoes. It's working for me. It's 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 holding on. It's holding on, and everybody just like those here's in Ah. Yeah, a lot of points were put on the board, I guess you could say, from last Saturday. But Florida State, yeah, put up some some points last week. Dustin wasn't able to be on here on the show with us to give us his instant reaction. We won't let him get his time to do that. So, D. Lou, what were your thoughts? Florida State uh, having a dominating performance. Uh, there's definitely some things that VZ were talking about afterward that you can fix and get better on. And there's a lot of potential in this team to, to get better. Like Jordan Travis talked about this week. He feels like his, this offense still hasn't hit its peak yet, but what were your thoughts, uh, Dustin, after uh, leaving the game on Saturday? What a display from Florida State's defense. I mean, watching that one, that felt like one of the most dominant games that Adam Fuller has put on since he got to Florida State nearly four years ago. I mean, Syracuse could do absolutely nothing nothing for the majority of that game. Um, FSU forces nine punts, only gives up three points. I mean, that's a wild stat. Um, the Orange were only to get able to get points on one out of their 12 drives. Didn't even have 100 total yards at the half. And then you see just across the defense, I mean, the amount of guys contributing. Shaheem Brown obviously had a really good game. Kalen Deloach, a couple guys in the secondary as well. Obviously the defensive line and – Joshua Farmer, Jared Verse still making the plays despite not always popping up on the stat sheet. Man, I really loved what you saw uh, out of the defense. And, I mean, a really important game against the Orange. You go out there and, I mean, really just squeeze the juice out of them. That, that said something about the Seminoles. And on offense, you know, still saw some success. There's still some things they need to clean up. I did like the decision to go for it on that fourth and goal after recovering the fumble to try and make a statement. Because if you go up 24-3 to right there, I mean, the game is essentially all but over. The other one, I mean, it's probably a good decision to go for it on that fourth and one. I don't like taking the ball out of Jordan Travis's hands. He didn't seem to like it either following the play. But, I mean, overall, it was a good – another good conference win for Florida State, able to get out relatively healthy. And, I mean, 
you know, you're going full steam into this one against Duke. Um, you know, right now the only top 25 matchup remaining for Florida State on the schedule in the regular season. I mean, like you said earlier, Austin, it's been Duke. Duke has been Duke for a while, but there's something different about the Blue Devils, and it'd be huge for Florida State to go make another statement on Saturday night uh, on a national audience in front of the entire country. It was interesting going back and watching that game to bring back up that, that Wildcat on fourth and one. That was one block away from being a really big gain, just some miscommunication and misblocking assignment on the right side. A defensive lineman gets penetration and blows it up in the backfield. But if it's blocked up, it's wide open on the left and and they're still running. So it, it's just another one of those things where, you know, if the blocking is just cleaned up here and cleaned up there, you know, it could have been, who knows, 54 to three. Um, still a great game, though. Still a great game. You just Dustin, can't have you... A.J. Duffy back there. Huh. Du- yeah. Dustin, you know, we were at these practices in the spring and we saw Hakeem Williams and we saw Miami Twitter going after him of not being conditioned. Can he play more than two or three snaps consecutively? But whenever he got in, I mean, and he made his play, you know, he had been blocking uh, throughout mm-hmm. his freshman season so far. But just to see him have the ball in his hands and see how flashy he was. We saw that in tape in high school, d but just to see that on the field and you're right there up there in the press box to see it, you probably were like, okay, Hakeem, that's some, that's some speed. Cause me and VZ were talking about, we were like, Oh, Oh, okay. That's just, it's just wild to see how much speed Florida state has in that wide receiver room. Well, it's funny. The first thing I did was look over to Tommy and I'm like, Tommy, who was that? And he's like, that was Hakeem. And I'm like, there's no way that was Hakeem. Did you see how fast he was right there? I mean, he exploded into the open field. And after he made that cut on the Syracuse defender, he got even faster I don't. I saw that video floating around on Twitter earlier. Hakeem Williams hit 20 miles per hour on uh, that touchdown scamper. So I mean, there's some serious speed behind the former five star, and uh, it's just been impressive to uh, watch his growth over the last couple of months. Like you said, Logan, a little bit out of shape in the spring, but I mean, he just continued to work. I mean, obviously, coming into Florida State, there's a ton of expectations, a ton of standards to meet, and that was something that Hakeem Williams had to learn. But I mean, he battled back through it. Uh, came into preseason camp in a lot better shape and has just continued to get better and better. And I think it's just been even more impressive to watch, like you also mentioned, Logan, his blocking, because we've seen it since the LSU game. I mean, he came out ready to block, and he actually spoke today after practice and said, you know, he's out there trying to do stuff that other receivers aren't willing to do. And, I mean, we've seen it. So it only made sense for after all he's done in the running game to help open up some holes for the running backs for the coaching staff to throw him a bone. And he got it on that screen, got a great block from Julian Armella. And then, I mean, took it the distance. So it was a fitting moment for Hikey Williams to get his first touchdown in a sold out Doe Campbell stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another person too, I wanted to note that we were talking about D Lou was Jaheim Bell. What were your thoughts on Jaheim Bell's play in this game after coming the last game, dealing with that illness, wasn't fully 100%, you could tell, but then was a full go, really, and felt good uh, going against Syracuse. But it seemed like, you know, that's just what the Jaheim Bell we had imagined would be able to, uh, like, just take this offense to another level. Florida State hasn't had a tight end with this dynamic of play in that in that position room. It was huge, definitely huge for Florida State to have him back at full strength. And, I mean, just to see all of the tight ends in that room contribute. I know Kyle Morlock had that drop in the end zone that could have been a touchdown for Florida State. But, I mean, he was out there, and he's going to probably bounce back this weekend. Had a nice day of practice that we'll talk about. Marquise and Douglas able to get involved some as well. 
So, I mean, Florida State and just their ability to utilize all these tight ends, it's really crazy how you can just have a different guy out there um, any given down and they can go out there and produce. I mean, we're not even talking about Preston Daniel. I know he's been, uh, you know, in the back of that rotation a little bit, but a really strong group of tight ends and something that Florida State hasn't had in a while. And it's been really interesting to see how they've utilized them from top to bottom. Yeah, Florida State. Uh, taking care of business there. They're six and zero on the season. Not going to go into AP poll rankings this uh, this week, but Florida State sticking at number four, which they've been holding on to. But this was a conversation I had, uh, you know, today just with a couple of um, uh, beat writers that cover the Buccaneers, but also keep a close eye on Florida State and also fans of them. But you know, it seems like to me, Florida State can't afford a loss just looking at the outside picture of other college teams and the conference play that they'll be going into. Are y'all the same kind of feeling for that? If Florida state's going to make it to the college football playoff, of course, got to get to that ACC championship first and take care of business there as well, where, you know, you know, it's either Duke, you got UNC as well. Um, so, but you know, are y'all in the kind of in the same boat as that? Because look at the big 10, look at the sec, look at the, look at the pac 12 too, having a, having a great season on their end as well. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on that? I think part of it's just the reputation of the ACC unfairly so, because the ACC I think is really good this year. I think the top four or five teams can beat a lot of teams across the country, but everyone's like, ah, it's just the ACC. Like how good is Duke really? How good is North Carolina really? How good is Louisville really? When in reality, there's, there's some good football teams in the ACC this year. And even with Florida state winning out, I don't know if people give their schedule the respect it deserves. The SEC has had, had a down year. Everyone's been talking about it, and Georgia hasn't looked that good. I think I think the Pac-12 is on the verge of eating themselves, just like they do every year. It's just self-cannibalism between Washington and Oregon. I think USC is going to get it right eventually. I think they kind of needed that loss to just get it flushed out of their system. They can go beat some teams. And, of course, all the good, team, all the good teams in the Big Ten have to play each other. They're all on the same side of the Big Ten with Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. You know, anything can happen there. So I think Florida State is going to have to win out just for their own narrative. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, Florida State cannot afford a loss the rest of the season if they want to make that college football playoff. I think we had this discussion before the year or at some point in the offseason. We were kind of talking about this as well. You know, is there a way that Florida State maybe loses a game and still is able to achieve the goals they want to achieve? And it really seemed like if they were going to drop a game, it had to be to LSU or Clemson. Now that you have advanced yeah. through that and you're six and zero, I mean, I know Duke is in the top twenty-five, but even still, I mean, this is one that Florida State can't drop. And then moving forward, you know, just looking at the back half of the schedule, no other ranked teams right now. Just perception-wise, Florida State needs to win out, and they need to win out pretty big. Be nice for them to get a double-digit win this weekend because you're you're thinking about that college football playoff poll. It's going to be out. It's going to be coming out pretty soon. They're going to be looking at, you know, top 25 wins and all that other stuff. Game control. What does that even mean? It's all it's all coming real yeah. soon. So Florida State, um, it's about perception as much as it is winning out as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, it's up to a committee. It's going to be up to the college football playoff committee as well. And it's something we that Mike Norvell on that. <laughs> Get Mike Norvell in the committee. See who he would vote for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think for, you know, it's just such a weird league, too, if you think about it. No other league is doing something like this where you're relying on a group of people in a room 
to pick these teams and put them up the top. Obviously, things are going to change too when this this playoff uh, expands. But yeah, Florida State, I'm in the same boat as y'all. Florida State can't afford a loss anywhere, or you know, they're going to be they're going to be dropped and be out of that top four. So. Uh, that's just something that I think, you know, Mike Norvell and that staff, you know, they have a different kind of mentality how they go week by week, but you know, they got to have that in their mind. You know, they've got to go in and accomplish and make sure things are done and they get the, get in the win column because Florida mm-hmm. state, uh, you know, it, it, it just always seems to be that way. And too, it just at the beginning of the season, whenever Duke beat Clemson, you know, they, they'd be pulled really dramatically drop Clemson. And now they're not even the top 25. They don't have a lot of respect for, what Dabo's team has brought to the table this season. So that doesn't help you as much. Although, and now Duke's at 16, it's just, it's just how it's going to be for in Florida state's uh, way, but they've got to, they've got to win out uh, throughout this regular season and get to the ACC championship. And I think it would help. I think it would help if LSU wins out as well and continues winning how they've been winning. You know, they, they beat Auburn 48 to 18. They put up 49 on a good Missouri team. You know, even though they lost at Ole Miss, he still scored 40-plus there. You know, if LSU wins out, makes it to the SEC championship, and you can look at Florida State and go, you know, that's the only team LSU played that held them under 30 points, and Jaden Daniels is playing as well as any quarterback in the country, that's going to help their case a little bit. And I will say, uh, I, I think Florida State understands where they're sitting at um, at the table right now as far as need to win these games perception-wise because – Think back to that Boston College scare, 31 to 29. There was nothing like that uh, these past two weeks for the Seminoles, winning by a combined score of 80 to 20. We'll see how they're able to close out this homestand against Duke. But, I mean, they've taken care of business against Virginia Tech and Syracuse like they should have done. And they're going to have some more of those games coming up. You know, after this game against Duke, you go to Wake Forest, who hasn't been very good this year. We'll see We'll see about Pittsburgh. I know – had a pretty good game after uh, flipping the quarterback. Um, then you've got North Alabama, Miami, and uh, UF. So there are some games ahead where Florida State will have a chance to uh, blow some teams out of the water, and they're just going to have to take advantage of those opportunities when they come. Uh, that Florida game is going to be oddly weird because Florida has played pretty well at home, you know, especially that Tennessee game. And you look back at last year where the game was much closer against Florida than it was supposed to be. If you go to Gainesville and, you know, beat him by double digits. I think that helps your case a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The next couple of games for LSU, they'll be facing army uh, this upcoming weekend, but the big one LSU at Alabama, you get that one. That's huge. And adds on to Florida state's resume of beating the tigers at the beginning of the season. Then they finish off the year with Texas A&M visiting. Uh, so uh, we you know, keep an eye on LSU, but you know, just talking about the discussion of, uh, four in a loss. You know, four states in a spot where they just can't do that right now. But it would help a ton if some of these other teams that they have beaten uh, go on a roll. So we'll keep an eye on some of those. Uh, I want to talk about some injury updates and uh, you know a few that definitely are going to make an impact in this upcoming weekend's matchup against the Blue Devils. Number one, Johnny Wilson, who we did not see out there on the field this last Saturday against the Oranges. Can you say that the oranges? It's just, it's just, the, just orange. the orange. Just the orange. Just the orange. I swear it used to be the orange men, which I mean, still isn't great. It's but better. It's, it's a little I mean, bit it's better. better. Yeah, but it's just, better to say than the oranges, I guess. But they 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 beat the orange, I guess. But yeah, Florida State in need of having Johnny Wilson here. I mean, we saw what Keon Coleman, uh, incredible catch that he had, and you know, just uh, ultimate freak. playmaker, <laughs> freak athlete. You saw that. 
you, you saw that catch, obviously, Dustin, from up there where you like typing during that time. Because sometimes we miss plays when we're over here typing or we're doing something. I, I mean, I saw it. You see how far he reached up into the air it was nearly as high as we were up in that press box. But, <laughs> I mean, it was. Yeah, he's a one of the most one of the most insane plays that I've probably seen in Doe Campbell Stadium since I started mm-hmm. watching FSU. I mean, I don't want to start making a list, but I mean, that, that's got to be top ten, if not top five, maybe even higher. It was insane. Then he also had the punt return. They nearly uh, got all the way back for a touchdown. Was one dive and tackle attempt. From getting in, you saw Mike Norvell coming down the sideline, running just as fast as Keon Coleman, which I that might have been the more impressive part of the entire play. Um, but it was cool. I mean, with Keon not only making plays through the air, but us. I mean, I, I think I mentioned the punt return game in the preview, but the punt return game finally breaking out and seeing the potential that Keon Coleman had back there, the dynamic and playmaking ability that he can bring not only to the return game but to the receiving game. Um, it was on full display for Florida State, 247 total yards for Keon Coleman. Uh, I think it was a top 15 performance in FSU, FSU school history. So, mm. just I, a, I think we could put the rest the return concerns for Keon. No, I, I think we, I think we can finally say we're, we're good with Keon back there. You know, for the first month of the season, we're like, is this really what we want? And now we're like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it is. <laughs> yep. We just had to see it on the field. And then there's a good reliability from him, too. You know, that's something that when Micah came, you had. But, you know, just having reliability there is big. And also being aware of where you're at on the field, where you're fielding the punts is big as well. Something Florida State, we've seen it, has struggled immensely and has hurt their offense on field position to start drives. But, yeah, Keon Coleman, freak athlete. I was also – uh, listening to a clip earlier, we were talking about in the Discord, Dustin, of him and uh, with Brian McFadden, former Noel Steelers, great as well. But uh, talking about the a- Apple Watch that he wears and the band, the color of the teams that he's facing. I didn't know that until he talked about it mm-hmm. on the interview. But he was we- he's wearing a blue one this week for the Blue Devils, but he's already got a gold one for Wake Forest, uh, and then he's also got one uh, for Northern Alabama. The Gators as well. He he's got all the colors for the bands coming up for future opponents. So that's a there's something to keep an eye out for whenever you see the pictures after the game or while on TV. Uh, he's gonna be wearing that blue band for the Blue Devils. And he said it's not really like a troll there. It's not really against anything at all. It's just you know it's something that he does. And uh, it was highlighted of course after the Ole Miss game whenever he was uh, putting on a show there and uh, a lot of shots of him came out wearing the Apple Watch and. People were wondering, is that against the rules? What is all this crap? But now there's even goes into more of a storyline of uh, there's some actual meaning behind the bands that he's wearing. You know, I, I don't know how I feel about Keon Coleman wearing orange and blue and green uh, and orange. But, you know, if that's what it takes to get him in the zone and deliver performances like we saw on Saturday, he can wear whatever the hell he wants. I, I hope for the Florida game he goes with like a gator skin instead of just orange and blue. I could go with gator the gator skin, skin man because they do make <laughs> the gator, those. The gator skin would be a good idea. See, that's a good stylish idea there from our style man, VZ. Dustin's just like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't know. Shake my wrist. I don't know. Shake your wrist. <laughs> <laughs> There's a question here from Nick. We're going to get to this later. We're going to talk about Riley Leonard. Just going to point that out, but we, we have a few in here about Duke and everything, so we're going to jump into those in just a few, but there's a few injury things we want to Note on Johnny Wilson, he's going to be a go this upcoming weekend. Uh, Mike Norvell talking about him in his uh, 
press conference on Monday saying, I feel very good about Johnny. He progressed really well over the weekend, was able to get reps in the practice, planning on having him rolling here throughout the week. And Dustin, just to kind of transition slightly into this, but into the practice and stuff, what have you seen from Johnny? You were telling us in the production meeting earlier that he's looked pretty damn good. I would be surprised if he's uh, unavailable on Saturday. It seems like he's been making those steps and he should be able to return for Florida State when they take on Duke. Um, he's like, like you just mentioned, Logan, he's looked really good these past two days of practice, especially on Wednesday. Um, Florida State, they start off practice um, on Wednesdays with a two minute drill. So the offense normally will have a minute or so to kind of get down the field and either score a touchdown or get in the field goal range. Um, today it was Jordan Travis completed four passes to get the offense down the field. Two of them back to back were to Johnny Wilson on the side sideline. Uh, one of them was the one of those patented um, vertical catches where he's got his hands above his head, ripping down a pass and then getting out of bounds as well. Which I mean, I'll mention Ryan Fitzgerald here it led to a 54 yard field goal from Fitzgerald that I mean had a lot of distance on. I think it probably would have been good from 60. But then just going into the rest of practice, Johnny Wilson continued to pop up here and there, caught a touchdown during seven-on-seven. And like I said before, it seems like he's trending the the right way after uh, missing that game against Syracuse. And it would be huge for Florida State to have him back in the lineup alongside Keon Coleman going up up against Duke, who only allowing 164.7 passing yards per game. That's top 10 in the country. So Florida State's passing attack going to need to be in a uh, good rhythm against the Blue Devils. To that point, not to spoil anything about the Duke preview, they also haven't really played any crazy offenses. Like, who can you name a receiver that they've played outside of Tyler Brown at Clemson? It's not my job. <laughs> I mean, it kind of is because you, you have to get ready for the podcast. But they just they haven't really played any talented receivers. So if Johnny, Helson, or Johnny Wilson's close to 100% with Keon Coleman, Duke hasn't seen anything like that. Yeah, definitely a different threat for sure. But still a talented, be top 10 in the country like that. That means you're doing something right and you're putting yourself in the right position. But you're facing different kind of talent. Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, now seeing a few of the other guys get into the rotation and mm-hmm. find their rhythm as well. It's tough to be. And then you're also kind of not – you can't overlook, too, the tight end room and the passing attack there that Florida State has tried to utilize. Trying to get with Kyle Morlock in the end zone, that's drop. But you look at Jaheim Bell and what he brings. So definitely a different type of threat, which should bring up a major uh, a matchup against this offensive tack on the air for Florida State and the defensive backfield for the Blue Devils. Another thing I want to war- mention here is Bless Harris – Uh, He was dressed out for the game, but uh, wasn't able to go against Syracuse. Uh, Although looking like this week, we will see Bless Harris uh, for Florida State available. Uh, uh, Mike Norvell saying we get Bless back this week. He's going to be ready to go. He was very close last week. I think if it was an absolute emergency, he probably could have went in, but we'll have him back this week. So that's obviously a big time, nice addition there to have at the offensive line side of things. But one thing I'm keeping a very close eye on is Darius Washington, a player that is a hybrid guy. Can You can put him anywhere across the line. Uh, and it doesn't seem too well. You know, they're, they're evaluating, seeing how, you know, if he'll be a go this week. Uh, but Mike Norvell said Darius went out in the game, and we'll see where that goes this week. I think he'll have a good chance, but obviously it's all part of things. <laughs> Uh, whatever that means. But having that depth allows for a lot of different combinations and our guys embrace that and do a good job with it. But Darius Washington, 
probably the glue to having all those kind of combinations. That guy can go in and replace whoever if they're not playing well or they're injured. He's been a great, uh, great experienced player and has been really good in production as well, guys. That's someone that, man, if like Marie Smith is dinged or a few others, you would love to have Darius go in. That, definitely if it is at the center position, I like having Darius there because he is smart. He knows assignments across the whole entire line. That's exactly what Maurice, uh, Maurice's uh, job is. So that's one thing that I think is really uh, is concerning to me going into uh, you know our practice observations is, is Darius Washington and his availability. It would be a big loss if he's not able to go for Florida State on Saturday. He's someone that, like you said, Logan, has filled in across this offensive line the entire season, started multiple games whenever Marie Smith was dealing with an ailment, started recently uh, left tackle where Robert Scott was working his way into lineup, shifted over to that right side, played some right tackle and relief of Jeremiah Byers at some point as well. So, I mean, he's been huge for Florida State. I would say at this point he's probably questionable going into this game, maybe a game-time decision. So he's someone we're going to be keeping an eye on leading up to kickoff to see if he is available. I do think, though, it's going to be important for Florida State to get Bless Harris back into the lineup and kind of figure out where he's going to go now because, you know, Robert Scott obviously returned. Um, I'm not sure if he's 100%, but it seems like he's going to be starting at that left tackle position going into the game as normal. So now you're kind of wondering where is Bless Harris going to find himself um, inserted into this lineup? Is he, is he going to be the first line, lineman for Florida State off the bench? Is he going to find a way in there at that right tackle, or do they try him inside at one of the guard spots? It's going to be something to, to kind of monitor and, and watch for going into the game. And Jeremiah Byers is coming off his best game in Tallahassee. I thought he was really good against Syracuse. He was the second highest graded lineman on PFF for Florida State. It sucks that Darius Washington's hurt. You know, after we were talking for two or three weeks, man, I think Darius Washington needs to be at starting five. Of course, he gets hurt. Um, I think they'll get it figured out. That that they finally started to find some in these last couple of weeks. I think they're finding their groove and what works best for this offensive line. And you know, I trust Atkins. And I think the good thing, you know, when you look at the injury to Darius Washington, we're not exactly sure good. what it is, but seeing him, well, not good, but maybe just. <laughs> positive note to take away from it he was able to come back out join Florida State on the sideline in the second half had a brace I believe it, it was on the left knee and I mean wasn't moving around too bad down there on the sideline so I think for the injury that he suffered and it being a lower body injury for Florida State to allow him to still go out there walk around on the sideline support his teammates hopefully it's going to be something that I mean even if he is out this weekend it's not something that takes him out for a long duration for the Seminoles. On the other side, we heard from Duke's head coach, Mike Elko, this week, uh, really early in the week here. But uh, Mike Elko talking about Florida State. Uh, Mike Norvell, too, on his side, giving a lot of respect to Elko and what he's been able to do with this program, as he, as he should, well-deserving, and has a really good relationship with Elko and then also some other members on the coaching staff, including Adam Fuller. Um, but uh, overall, you know, giving a lot of praise to what Mike Norvell has been able to do and the amount of talent that he has with this team uh, this season, saying, looking ahead at Florida State, obviously in an extremely talented football team. I have a ton of respect for the job Mike Norvell has done down there. I think he's built a program, not just a team, but a program. You can see with how the, those kids play and the energy and the passion that they play the game with. Uh, offensively, this is an 
extremely talented operation. It starts with the quarterback, Jordan Travis. He's playing at an elite level. He really has been for the better part of two years now. He knows exactly what he wants to do in that system. He's managing it really well. You can see him have complete command of the offense, not only as a quarterback, but as a leader. It's really impressive to see it. Um, outside of Jordan Travis, how about the offense too? He talked about Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman. Uh, they've got skill to burn all over the place. Two really talented wide receivers in Wilson and Coleman. Tall, athletic, can run, can separate, can make explosive plays. They rotate through four or five other guys, and you don't see any drop-off at all. They're really talented at the wide receiver position. Jaheim Bell is a kid that I'm really familiar with from his time at South Carolina when I was at AM going against him. A really athletic tight end. They play two or three tight ends that are all very talented. The offensive line has played a ton of football, so this is a complete offense for sure and will be a big challenge for us. So there's a lot of respect there for what Florida State and Mike Norvell, Coach Atkins, what they've been able to do offensively and their preparations there for the Seminoles. Uh, he also talked uh, on the on the other side, too, defensively, and honestly, this piece is probably one of our longest of some other opposing head coaches talking about the Florida State football program. But uh, just going further into what Mike Elko said, I think it's the best front four that we've seen in our time here at Duke. Extremely athletic, really talented pass rushers, really disruptive getting off their blocks. The two linebackers are all over the field making a ton of plays. Kalen Deloach is a big-time playmaker, really playing the game at an awfully high level. And then the secondary is extremely aggressive. They're going to get in your face. They're going to press. They're going to play a lot of man-to-man. -man, they're going to challenge every throw and really try to make the game very difficult for you. It's a complete team. We're going to be down there on their homecoming under the lights in Tallahassee. So it's a big challenge for us, and it's a challenge for us, and certainly a challenge that we're looking forward to. So uh, definitely a lot of praise for what Mike has done and what the program side of things, but just on the field wise, uh, acknowledging the amount of talent that, you know, the blue devils are going to be going against under the lights and Doe Campbell stadium and prime time sold out Doe Campbell stadium on Saturday. It's interesting that no one has taken the Brian Kelly approach since the <laughs> LSU week, but yeah. Um, Mike Elko is someone that I've praised before on this podcast. Seems like a really good head coach. I actually got a chance to listen to his uh, radio show earlier today. I mean, I was just extremely impressed with the way that he talked about not only Florida State, but also just hearing him talk about his program. Seems like Duke, you know, if they can hold on to him, uh, that program is going to change the perception of how people look at them on the football field. You look at Mike Elko, already 14 and 5. As a head coach, uh, he's done a really good job over there for the Blue Devils. Uh, so, you know, to see him give praise to Mike Norvell and Forest State, not much of a surprise. He also worked with Adam Fuller for a year in 2005 when the two were at Richmond. And, I mean, this is going to be a battle of coaching wits. You've got a real defensive mastermind in Elko going up and an offensive mastermind in Mike Norvell. And I think the – result of Florida State's offense against Duke against Duke's defense is going to ultimately decide this one in Tallahassee. I agree. You know, Elko's as good as it gets defensively in college football. He just has that mind and, you know, down the road, I'm curious to see if he decides he wants to be the Dave Clawson of Duke and just stay at Duke and build that program into what they really could be. Um, or if he chases one of these big 10 jobs or SEC jobs or 
wherever, but you know, he's one of the best in the business and there's a reason that Duke's a top 25 team. I, I, I am curious to see how Duke responds on the road because this is the only their second road game of the year. And the first one was against UConn, which no offense to UConn, but that's not really a tough environment. Damn. It's not Tallahassee. It's not Tallahassee under the lights in prime time. <laughs> you know, that's that's totally different. You may be starting a quarterback who's never thrown a pass on the road ever. So it's going to be an interesting match. And I'm really curious to see how Duke responds early. Poor UConn. Dang. Just ch- catching strays. Catching strays out Listen, here. Listen, you, you have a basketball championship. You can afford to be bad at football for a couple that's of years. That's all I, I – I sometimes forget that they have a football team. So you just reminded me there's my yearly uh, uh, <laughs> reminder that they have a football team probably for the rest of our listeners and, and our viewers too. One thing I did want to, you know, this kind of coincides what you were talking about here, VZ, but he was also talking about, you know, uh, this road game being this, they, they're used to having the spotlight games. They've had that this year, of course, but they haven't gone on the road and had a spotlight game. But Elko was saying, I think our team is now used to going through a week where they're talking about the game that we're going to play. I think they're used to having an idea of what a spotlight game is, but we haven't had, we haven't done this on the road yet. So we have to do th- go do that. And it's going to be a new challenge for us to kind of rise up to. So understanding that, yeah, you're going to be in a different kind of environment and Doe Campbell stadium than probably UConn just, you know, just probably putting that out into the air a little bit, but yeah, make, makes sense. And, you know, this kind of will transition us into some Riley Leonard talk at the beginning of the week. You know, uh, Mike Elko was talking about him and being day to day and evaluating him. He was actually dressed out last weekend during warmups and, and their last game. But, you know, try to play it safe. Didn't want to rush anything. And Duke was still able to you know take care of business. But now, you know, Duke coming into this game. We got an update earlier, actually today, from Mike Elko saying, you know, it looks like there's a good possibility that Riley Leonard will uh, get clearance and he'll be a GOAT against Florida State, which all of us on here practically, I'm pretty sure just like <laughs> maybe the night of whenever Riley Leonard was hurt or once we were under able to understand that it wasn't a season-ending injury, that, yeah, Riley Leonard is going to be – he's going to be playing against Florida State. There was no doubt in our mind on that. I think, it makes... I, think, I think good probability is a stretch. Those weren't the exact words that Elko said. I believe he said chance. You know, he was able to, yeah, he said chance. You know, he was out there. He was able to get out there and throw around a little bit. Just seeing the limp he had on Saturday before that NC State game, I don't see it. I don't see him playing in this game. Vegas doesn't see it with the line being at 14. I just, I don't, as someone that's had two really bad ankle injuries, there's no way if it's really a high ankle sprain that he's back in three weeks. There's, Especially if Duke wants to run the offense the way Duke wants to run the offense, that's with the quarterback getting out of the pocket and extending plays. If he's 60%, he's just going to be a sitting duck back there and Duke's, and Florida State's defense is going to be able to tee off on him. Did you have an entire school dedicated to your ankle rehab, easy? <laughs> or have an ACC championship? I'm like, just saying, on the line. there's only so much you can do with ankle injuries. But, oh, he, no, I, I mean, I, they did go straight. For sure. They did go straight into the bye week. Then he had another week off. Um, You know, you got to think he's been getting a ton of treatment on the ankle. I think it, I mean, even if he does play, he's obviously not going to be a hundred percent. You got to be thinking 75, 80% at the best. And in the end that could hurt Duke because Riley Leonard, he's very much a dual threat quarterback likes to work with his legs. And 
I mean, if he's hampered there with that high ankle sprain that he suffered against Notre Dame, in the end, that could be a negative for what the Blue Devils want to do on offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, unless Elko is doing some kind of strategic kind of play here and like trying to tease, you know, keep watching film, keep watching film on my backup and don't look at Riley Leonard stuff. Either way, Florida State's going to be prepared for both quarterbacks, but I'm pretty sure they have some better intel than maybe we do. But I would just expect for Riley Leonard to be out there on Saturday night. And if he can't be, I think that's going to be a testing thing. Can he play? Can he play a drive too? If not, then you throw in your game plan with what you have with your backup. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. But, yeah, high ankle sprains are extremely hard to uh, recover from. It takes a long while, month, mm-hmm. sometimes even longer. But – like you were saying though, Dustin, I'm in the same boat. Man, that's your job. Number one is just to get better. And you got about 10 trainers working to fix you up on that. And we'll see what ends up happening. But I don't know. I don't know. I I feel people in the comments, let us know. What do you think? Do you think, uh, do you think Riley Leonard uh, is going to play on Saturday? Maybe we'll create a poll and we'll see what happens at the end of the show. But um, yeah, that would be, and if he's not a hundred percent, you look at Florida state's defensive line and the pass rush. And, you know, that's just, you know, one big focus that that defensive line with Odell Hagans is going to want to get after, get to that backfield as much as possible. If he's not able to be a hundred percent with his, with his ankle, you got to take advantage of the opportunities and, um, don't let him move with his feet. Cause that's one good thing about him. That's a, that's a dual threat quarterback. And we know how Florida state does defensively with those there are sometimes some nightmares, for Florida State fans when they go to bed at night. We'll see how it goes. Could could be gamesmanship from Elko. Could not be, you know, with the way that college injury reports work and that there are no college injury reports. There's no reason to tip the cap at all, especially going into a game like this against Florida State that is absolutely huge for Duke, like we've said, if they want to move forward and contend for that ACC championship. Uh, if Riley Leonard is unable to go, Henry Bellin will be making the second start of his career last week, led Duke to a 24-3 victory against North Carolina State, finished 4-12 of passing, 107 yards, two touchdowns, an interception that came on the opening drive that Duke held NC State to zero in, or zero points on. And then Bellin, field, they, they did get a field goal. It was a long 57-yard field goal. Hmm. The way, the way they were talking about on the radio show today made it seem like they didn't get any points. But hmm. um, Bellin also had five rushes for 28 yards. So not a ton of uh, productivity in the first start of his career. Uh, there's also not a lot of tape out there on him. So that can go one way or another going into a game like this on Saturday. Yeah, I will say, I know there's a lot made of his 4 of 12. It was rainy for most of that NC State game. Um, but he was able to make a couple big throws when he needed to. I just I don't if you're if, if your offense is only trusting you to throw it twelve times against NC State, we'll see how much trust they have against him against Florida State if they if he does decide to be the starter. But um, that's, I I don't have much faith in that Duke offense. You know if you if you look at their scoring drives against NC State, they had one long drive that started at the two yard line, but then they got a pass interference call, they got a rough in the pass to the call, and that's free 30 yards and they end up kicking a field goal. They had a big passing touchdown over the top and then they get a one play rushing touchdown for 80 yards. They really weren't able to sustain drives that well. Could they do that against Florida state? Cause Florida state's been great for the most part about not allowing anything too deep downfield. 
So if that if that continues, can Duke sustain drives with the backup quarterback? It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, the main thing that Duke does well is they don't really mess up. Only six yeah. turnover, only six turnovers on the season. Uh, they do enough of a job for their strong defense to kind of lead them to some victories. We've seen, you know, looking through their schedule, only one team has eclipsed that twenty-plus point mark, and it was Notre Dame. And it took some freakiness for that. I mean, even to get to that point, that fourth and eighteen conversion, and you know, the touchdown right after. Duke's defense has been legit. So that's going to be the question mark. Can their offense do enough against Florida State's defense? The Blue Devils are really leaned on that running attack, 198.5 rushing yards per game, first in the ACC. you got to imagine coming to Tallahassee, they're going to be trying to do the same thing. And then, like you said, Austin, sustain some long drives, run some time off that clock. But Florida State, on the flip side, has been really good for the most part defending that run and has got a strong core of defensive linemen and linebackers to throw at Dukes. I mean, that's going to be a huge matchup to watch in this in this game. I think I'm actually more worried about the other side, about Florida State's offense against Duke's defense because mm-hmm. you know, Duke's defense allowing less than 10 points per game. And I get it. They've played UConn and, and Northwestern and some of these other teams. <laughs> but, you know, they held Notre Dame to 21 points. You know, Clemson is seven, which, you know, we could talk about them. There's some weird fluky stuff at the end, but there's credit for making the plays when they're there. I really don't think Duke's going to be able to do much on offense, but I am kind of worried that Florida State may make the mistakes that we haven't seen yet. You know, for the most part, Florida State's been great about taking care of the football, but Duke's at their best when they're creating those short fields and creating those mistakes. If that happens where they get a fumble or there's a muff punt or whatever, then this becomes a much closer game than it really should be. Yeah, that's the same. I mean, same thing for Duke on offense, for Florida State in this game. They absolutely cannot afford to turn the ball over. Because like you said, BZ, uh, Duke is allowing 9.8 points per game, has only given up 59 total points in six games. 21 of those came against Notre Dame. They've been extremely good about keeping opposing offenses out of the end zone. And on the flip side, you look at Florida State, first in the ACC in scoring, something's got to give in this one. For sure. And, you know, I feel like we haven't given enough credit, or really I feel like the families in general hasn't given enough credit to how much Florida State's defense has come on. They're a top 20 scoring defense right now, allowing less than 20 points per game, and they've played some high-octane offenses. Now you're going against a team that really has the struggles offensively, especially when they might be missing their quarterback. And it could be huge. You know, we were talking about the end of that Syracuse game earlier. It could be huge for Florida State's defense that they have gotten in a massive rhythm these past two games with how they've really, I mean, pounded the Hokies and squeezed the juice out of the orange. <laughs> Good stuff. I should have said pluck the Hokies. Damn, you really were. You could have had it right there and give you a B plus on it then. Yeah, you know, I was just sharing an image of Riley Leonard there, uh, the injuries to his right ankle. So I was just wondering about his plant foot, which wouldn't be have been on his left foot. So I don't know how that goes with uh, with uh, a multitude of things, but still a high ankle sprain, no matter what, on which leg it is, it's going to it's going to impact how you're throwing, how you're rolling out and something that really Riley Leonard likes to do. And he keeps his eyes downfield. So uh, Florida State going into this season, you know, we, we predicted this to be a big time matchup, but didn't expect for Riley Leonard not to, you know, not really know if he's going to be 100 percent or not. But we're really going to find out on, on Saturday, make sure that you're following Dustin and also our account on Twitter at Noel Game Day, so you guys know during warm-ups if Riley Leonard's out there and Dustin, hopefully make make sure you get there like three hours early or something with how the way this credential line and everything is going did, on. They did better was, last week. That's I was good. about to say. I was about Thank to ask. God. 
That like this is the game that we need to make sure the flow is going. Just just keep in mind though, it's a prime time game. Make sure you get there a little bit thirty minutes earlier even than usual. We got to get the update on uh on on Riley Leonard and and all that. So I'll be in there. Nice, 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 nice. Uh, let's transition to some uh, practice observations as we're kind of already just previewing this Duke game. <laughs> we're like salivating for it. Um, but what did you see this week specifically, Dealer? You said earlier Johnny Wilson well, was impressive. I thought you said too. Also, Jordan Travis having a nice drive as well. Uh, throughout these last two days, having a, having a good performance. But uh, I just thought, too, just from Jordan Travis saying that his offense hasn't hit its peak, it's going to have a really tough time going against Duke's defense. What do you see offensively just starting off throughout uh, the, the last two practices on Tuesday and Wednesday earlier this morning? There were some competitive moments. I mean, definitely some up and down times for the offense where the defense forced them into some struggles, oh, especially on Tuesday. You know, the defense uh, was bringing some pressure early on and the offense was just having a tough time handling it. And that led to some errant throws from uh, Jordan Travis. But I mean, they got into the rhythm in the back half of that Tuesday practice. And then, like I said earlier, they came out today in that two minute drill and the defense tried to do the same thing, put some pressure on Jordan, kind of fluster him a little bit. But I mean, this time four straight completions to get uh, the offense down the field and then leading to that field goal from Ryan Fitzgerald. So, I mean, it's kind of what you want to see going into this top 25 matchup, you know, not one side dominating the other, just kind of going back and forth with it. Um, and then as far as specific guys, you know, Kentron uh, Poitier has played the last two games, but still working his way back into form, you know, from that injury that he was dealing with. Um, I thought the last two days have been his best practices since he started getting back into the fold for the Seminoles yesterday had a really nice one-hander on the sideline and then came back today with a couple touchdown catches, including a, a vertical one in the end zone where he was able to go up and grab one over the, over a defender mentioned Kyle Morlock earlier. He had multiple touchdowns today in practice. Um, Trey Benson is someone who we saw struggle a little bit on Saturday, had a drop that could have gone for a potential touchdown in that game against Syracuse. And I thought, you know, Florida State, they were making a concerted effort to kind of boost his confidence a little bit during the last two practices. Um, yesterday had a nice catch on the sideline where uh, had a defender right on him and was able to turn around, make the catch, and stay in bounce with Tatum Bethune, I mean, right there on his hip. And you saw Mike Norvell running over to give him some encouragement and some other coaches going over there as well, you know, just to um, hype him up after making a tough catch. And then today there was a run against the scout team. And afterwards, Mike Norvell kind of walked over and told the rest of the running backs, you know, pointing out Trey Benson and saying, y'all run like that against – or y'all run like that against Duke and you'll see what happens on Saturday. So, I mean, mm. you know, really trying to boost his confidence a little bit after a down performance. Bless Harris. Uh, you mentioned earlier he should be good to go on Saturday. Had two nice practices. Had a rep against your adverse where he was able to put him on the ground. So – Mm, I think he's I think Bless, I think Bless is going to get back in the, into the lineup. Um, Jalen Early, redshirt freshman offensive lineman, has been stringing together some good practices as of late. But I mean, just seeing him in one on ones, you know, winning reps against Jared Verse and Gilbert Edmond and Patrick Payton says a lot about the developmental track that he's on right now. Only a redshirt freshman, but him and Julian Armella, you know, still doing some stuff behind the scenes to continue growing. And, you know, we're going to see how they impact Florida State's offensive line room in the future. I like, uh, and then, 
I was just going to comment on Jalen Early. I like hearing that about Jalen Early because he's someone that really needed that close-up coaching. And, you know, we'd see him spending time after practice with with Coach Atkins and someone that you could see the capabilities and the potential there. But I think him alongside also, too, with Julian Armella, that's like the strong future of that offensive line. But love hearing that about Early having that. So, you know, it's always we're focused on these starters and the guys that are in that too deep, but some guys that – are going to be the future of Florida State's offensive line, those that you want to groom and build up on your own. Uh, you know, Jalen Early, seeing, seeing that progress is huge. That hasn't always been easy for him. So, I mean, credit to him for taking some tough coaching and, I mean, coming back from it and just continuing to push and fight and continue to grow. And, I mean, he's he's been a standout among that offensive line in practices recently. But going over to the defensive side of the ball, Bernardo Green interceptions uh, in back-to-back practices. Thought Patrick Payton was especially flying around the past two days, and Daryl Jackson still waiting mm-hmm. on that waiver from the NCAA to get back to the lineup. Mike Norvell said earlier today, you know, they haven't gotten an update there, despite Tez Walker getting that eligibility waiver for UNC. And I mean, just kind of said, I don't even know what's going yeah. on there. But he, I mean, despite him not being able to get back out on the field just yet for Florida State, it seems like we're going to have to wait until that ACC championship game in December to finally see uh, Daryl Jackson make his debut for the Seminoles. But I mean, he's he's getting after it in practice, man. I will say that when Florida State gets him back in the lineup, you are going to notice. <laughs> that man's going to be fired up to get in there and just, you know, just to talk about what that he'll bring to the defensive line overall, though, it's not kind of fair at that point what they already with what they already have that's good that's good renardo is around i love i love renardo green Always renardo will. island mm-hmm. yep not not put enough respect on his name uh renardo green though having a nice solid season like he had last year but florida state going into this game primetime matchup gentlemen let's start jumping into i know we've kind of already been all throughout this podcast just chattering about it and previewing it here and there but florida state big time acc matchup in regard to getting to charlotte uh florida state one of the top you know teams in this conference but in the country overall gonna have the biggest biggest uh biggest uh, announcing crew too with having kirk herbstreet and chris fowler there as well holly Rowe on the sidelines which will be great. Love her and her coverage, but this is this is what you what we've been waiting for. And you know, it happened to be Duke, Florida State, big big uh big weekend ahead. And I think too with having a sold out stadium, Mike Norvell really looking forward to having the fans in the stands. And he said that how much of an impact that makes for his team and the bringing the energy and the and the players to tell us after games. That's one of the major things that they tell us afterward after wins how much uh, the fan base makes an impact. And so. Uh, man, going to be a rowdy Doe Campbell Stadium. But, uh, you know, we've already talked about Riley Leonard. We've talked about what, you know, the offense, defense, what uh, the Blue Devils bring. But just looking specifically at Florida State and some keys here, bringing back the keys on how to how to come away with a win here. What are y'all's biggest keys to yourselves on how Florida State can get this win on Saturday night against the Blue Devils? It's got to be turnovers for me. I think it's going to be huge for – um, the offense is on both sides. You know, whoever doesn't screw up, uh, whoever doesn't screw up more is going to end up winning this game. We've seen Florida State. They've been very good about taking care of the ball. Duke, same thing on their side. Um, it could change, though, with a backup quarterback in the lineup. 
we'll just have to see. We'll just have to see. I, I just think that's going to be huge, you know, especially with how Duke um, only allowing less than 10 points per game. Florida State, they're going to need to take advantage of every single offensive possession that they get against the Blue Devils, which we didn't necessarily see all the time last week against Syracuse. So you're going to need a much better game plan and also execution across the board from that entire unit in this one. For me, it's going to be Florida State's red zone offense. You know, Duke's been so good in the red zone defensively. I think they're mm-hmm. second nationally just behind Michigan. I think they're allowing 40 um, – yeah, they're allowing just points, either a field goal or a touchdown on um, 46% of drives in the red zone. Granted, a lot of that's from the Clemson game where who, – who knows what what was on Clemson's gloves that game. I don't know if they put butter on their, on their gloves. They were just dropping the ball all over the place, but – you know, it's, it's still something that Duke's really good at. They have a really good red zone defense, and Florida State's going to have to capitalize when they get down in the red zone. They can't have like they had last week, you know, after they got that fumble in plus territory. You can't have a four and out. It just can't happen against Duke. It's too good of a defense. Yeah, and to that game. point, uh, Duke, second in the country, allowing seven, seven out of 14 scores on red zone possessions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, take, take advantage. Yeah, take advantage of that. Take advantage of what you already have in your arsenal and the wide receiver position, man. This is why you brought in these transfers like Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman. Utilize the talent that you already have there uh, and not play around and get all tricky and stuff. And utilize Jordan Travis, too. And I know, you know, we're at, we're now in the middle of the season here, and Jordan Travis isn't the same runner as we had met, as he was his first year, second year. He's just not the same at, at that. You know, either it's a health situation. I think, too, though, it's a mental game for him because I think he's always trying to look downfield, look downfield where things are already open for about 15 yards ahead of you where you're getting a major gain or with his ability, he can break open things and he's trying to play it safe here and there, but it gets to the point where if you're playing it too safe, you're going to get yourself hurt and you could, you could really look downfield and grab some yards with your legs. That's one thing where he'll keep two hands on the ball and just keep looking downfield and, try to try to rush off the defenders pressuring him i'd like to see him just book it man and i i and it might be a health thing maybe there's just something where that just can't happen but uh you know jordan travis i think uh had all the heisman talk all this kind of stuff during this off season but right now it's just about winning on saturdays and getting your field down and continuing drives and that's something j trav has got to do during this game and my opinion taking everything uh that duke is going to give you and it's not going to give you much this is a good defense but take advantage of the little opportunities here and there uh is one thing and two i think special teams specifically looking at ryan fitzgerald i think when i give my score prediction i think it's going to be a game winner from from ryan fitzgerald this upcoming saturday so special teams is going to be big but i'm um, looking at the field goal unit on Saturday, in my opinion, I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think, sadly, there's going to be some irritating things offensively that we'll see from Florida State. I don't know why, but something's going to irritate me. But it's going to come down to a kick at the end with Ron Fitzgerald. And I do think, as far as Jordan Travis running the ball, we have seen these past two games him make it more and more of an effort to uh, utilize his legs a little bit more than he was uh, during that first month of the season. But the good thing for Florida State, as far as the red zone. Um, as far as what Duke does in the red zone, the potential struggles we could see there, you've got the best jump ball wide receiver in college football. I mean, Arguably Keon Coleman. Too. Yeah, but especially Keon Coleman. I mean, a 50-50 
jump ball turns into 80-20 or 70-30 real quick. I mean, when you think back with what he was able to do against LSU, obviously the game winner in overtime in Death Valley against Clemson. When you're down in the red zone, don't overthink it. Just trust one of these guys to go jump. And, you know, Duke does have some height at corner. Miles Jones is six foot four. Um, Josh Pickett's six foot plus. They've got some height at corner to match up with these guys, but it's still not, you know, they're not guarding Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson. Nobody can. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. There's a, there's a lot of good things that the Blue Devils will bring. And I think Florida State offensively, this is going to be a great test for them to really show, hey, you know, we can score. We saw what they did against LSU and their defense, but just going through the middle of the season here, showing that you can sustain these drives, take up time. That's something that Florida State did a really good job of in 2022. But you're going to get every team's best shot, and definitely defensively, and they'd love to take advantage of what they can. Uh, definitely with that physical front that uh, Duke has, this is a really really well-disciplined team overall, guys, too. Some of the Florida State's going to have to play smart in as well, not allowing some silly penalties here and there. Staying disciplined, sustaining drives, taking the game, taking the possession over is going to be huge, I think, for you know trying to leave Tallahassee and, and get this win before they go on the road. I don't disagree. Uh, anything else from uh, – oh, they're getting ticked off because I'm actually being legitimate about a, an opponent. That's one thing we did against the instant reaction, and we got torched for that as well. But, you know, can't can't be completely biased here, guys. Uh, can't be go rah-rah, go force day, go Knowles, everything. I like to actually give some honest perspective of what Florida State's going to be facing this upcoming weekend. So beat it. Uh, anything else? Anything else that y'all are uh, looking forward or keeping an eye on it on Saturday? Just the environment. Uh, it's going to be absolutely rocking. Third straight game sold out in Doak Campbell Stadium. You know, Doak, it's loud at 12. So it's loud at 3.30. It's different at 7.30 when Tallahassee's had all day to tailgate and get ready, especially for a top 25 matchup. Uh, the only one, like we've said before, in Doe Campbell Stadium right now for Florida State this season. This one means a lot. Homecoming, going to be a ton of people in town, and it's going to be rocking. Uh, Florida State, obviously, they feed off that energy, and we're going to see how Duke is able to respond to it on the road as well. That that should be something to watch. Yeah, Matt, I can't be there. It's one of the it's one of those environments that you just wish you could be in because there's really nothing like a sold out Doke at night. No, there's nothing. Definitely renegade, got the war champ blaring. It is uh, not the easiest place to play as well, so defensively that should help Florida State. Um, and we'll see who they roll out there, if it's Riley Leonard or not. Um, no matter what, though, Florida State's crowd is, is going to bring it, and that's a good thing. It's a good thing about it. And, you know, Florida State, too, you know, looking at uh, on the offensive side, uh, someone that we didn't see in the running back room last week was Rodney Hill. We saw him practicing this week. Uh, D. Lou, someone that we've talked very highly on this offseason and going into the season and has been pretty dang productive there. We've we've been high on him after, you know, Trey Benson had that big game and was able to bring in 200 yards a couple weeks ago. But looking at uh, Rodney Hill, he's someone that whenever put into the game, he really takes advantage of his opportunities. So we'll see if we'll see some more Rodney Hill. I think he's been a really nice addition to that running back room and he's really improved. I think you'll see more Rodney Hill 
in the lineup uh, this week. We never received a specific injury update from Mike Norvell, and he was dressed out for the game against Syracuse, but Mike Norvell, when speaking after practice on Tuesday, did note that Rodney is back. So whatever whatever that means, take it as you will. He didn't play last week, and he's been playing throughout the season. Take it as you will. We'll see. We'll see. I guess it's score predictions time. It's officially score predictions time. I don't know. Is it back around to me now? Let's see. I believe so. Six. Yeah, six. Yeah, it's been six games, so I'm up now. Um, I kind of teased this earlier, but I think it's going to come down to a field goal. I don't know what it is. I haven't felt that way all season at all, but I've been stuck with this score in my head, 27-24. I think Florida State does win it. It's crazy. All of us here undefeated on the season with our predictions, and I'm still rolling on, but I think during the production meeting, all of us were like, oh, my goodness, this is going to be a tight game, and I, I, I believe it 100% here. Um, but I, I think Florida State does win. Ryan Fitzgerald, who's been 100% on the season as well, shout out to him. I think he ends up getting uh, the game winner on Saturday night, and a packed O'Campbell Stadium would be a phenomenal kind of ending there and great for content for us. But uh, that's, that's how I'm feeling for uh, Saturday. How about you guys? Is it me or is it you? I always forget. I think it's you. I okay. went last week first. I, I agree that I think it's going to be a tight game early. I think the offense is going to get it figured out as the game goes along. And I just – I don't trust Duke's offense to move the football. Just whether it's a 70% Riley Leonard or whether it's the backup quarterback in Beeland, I just – I don't think they're going to be able to move the football consistently against Florida State's defense, who's playing as well as they have in a long time. Um, I, I do think the 30-plus streak comes to an end for points for Florida State, and that won't help my pro-turquoise agenda. Um mm-hmm. But I, I still think they handle business and, and win this one pretty handily, 27 to 6. Oh, wow. Okay. So we're Ryan with 27 together and Florida State's side. This is going to be a fun game in Tallahassee. Uh, we've preached, I mean, since the schedule got released, that Duke was going to be a really tough team whenever they came to Tallahassee. I don't know that we foresaw number 16 in the country and everything that they've been able to do so far. Uh, but I'm raising my it's hand. It's going to be. It's going to be a fun battle, I think, especially in the first half. I mean, you're going to have a really closely contested game as Florida State works to figure out that Blue Devils defense that has that has just been, I mean, elite through the first half of the season. But like Austin said, I think the Seminoles are going to figure this one out as time goes on and do enough in the end. I have the same kind of question marks about Duke's offense. You know, even if Riley Leonard is able to be out there, I don't think he's going to be healthy enough. And then – Beelan in the second start of his career in a sold-out Doe Campbell Stadium. I mean, that's just going to be a tough task for any quarterback to overcome. So I'm going to go Florida State 31, Duke 20. I think it's one of those that if Riley Leonard does play, it actually might be more beneficial to Florida State's defense because he's not going to be able to move around as much. And, you know, we've talked at length that this season that running quarterbacks give Florida State's defense some some trouble here and there. If Leonard's back there and he's just sitting back there, might, might be open season for that defense. There's also a chance this ends up being like Georgia, Kentucky. I could absolutely see that where Florida State just comes out and blows it out of the water. But I think we're all a little, little realistic on how this one's going to go. If, if Florida State wins this game, um, which player uh, had the big game? Uh, Florida State comes away winning this. Who, who had the big game? 
to you guys offensively, defensively, in your opinion? I won't I won't say a player. I'll just say the whole running running back room. You know, Duke's got a good defense, but they're still allowing four yards per carry. If the running backs can make something happen and Trey Benson and Lawrence Tofili can average four, four and a half, five per pop or plus, um, I think that goes a long way towards sustaining success in this game. I'll say Jordan, especially with how good statistically Duke has been against the pass. You're going to need a really good effort out of him leading that offense against a strong Duke defense. Then on the other side, uh, give me Kalen Deloach, who has just continued mm-hmm. to turn in strong performances week after week this season. And if Florida State is going to have any luck shutting down that Duke rushing attack, they're going to need Kalen. They're going to need Tatum. They're going to need DJ Lundy. Heck, they might need Omar Graham, too. Mm-hmm. I was going to say Tatum because you could tell at points last week that the instincts were there, but he wasn't quite 100% healthy and missed a couple of tackles. Like he missed a key tackle on third and one. You know, if, if he's back to 100% and he's making those plays again, I think that goes a long way for this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the Kalen Deloach pick. I like that one. And maybe I'll go Johnny too here, uh, utilizing his height. And like you were saying earlier, VZ, there's some height in uh, Duke's defensive backfield. But I think coming into the red zone, Johnny Wilson's going to have to be a, a key factor there. And if he has a big game, that's why Florida State won. Um, all right, I think that wraps it up. I know, VZ, you have a health update, some injury updates on a few basketball guys before we end up. Uh, ending the show this week we actually have a couple basketball things first happy birthday terrence man i feel like that's that's a normal thing you're the spirit along yep is in constant trade rumors for because the clippers refuse to trade him for james harden which i just think is hysterical um i wouldn't either i i wouldn't either i just think it's funny who would have thought when he was coming out of the draft a few years ago that a team wouldn't trade him for james harden um but yeah a couple injury things Leonard Hamilton was talking with John Rothstein earlier in the week and said Jalen Ganey's back to some non-contact stuff, recovering from his ACL injury, and that Cameron Fletcher is back to some light contact work, working back from his ACL injury, which is kind of crazy considering Fletcher tore his ACL four months after Ganey. Um, I don't know who that says more about, but you know this this team's hopefully close to being 100%. We're just a few, or actually we're under a month away from tip-off against Kennesaw State. So we'll see if anything happens there. And then the ACC also announced who will be representing the team at ACC tip-off next week here in Charlotte. Darren Green Jr. and Baba Miller mm. getting to represent Florida State instead of a more veteran guy like a Jalen Worley. So that one caught me a little, little off guard, but hmm. kind of cool to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe that says something about the leap that Baba Miller could potentially make for Florida State, because if he does start to realize some of that potential, it uh, changes the complexion of the season that we're predicting FSU to have as of right now. And we, we saw it a little bit at, at the FIBA U19 tournament where he was really playing well overseas with Spain. So if he can bring that to Tallahassee for full season, changes the dynamic of this team for sure. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. And probably also gives you some clarity on who might be starting for the team this year. Mm-hmm. yeah a little easter eggs but yeah that's gonna wrap it up for this show this week appreciate everybody hanging out with us hope everybody has safe travels getting to tallahassee gonna be a fun one looking forward to it. we'll have our instant reaction here with vz and i immediately after the game so jump over to our youtube we'll have a stream waiting on here and we'll be on there live poor dustin will miss out on this one until next week but uh yeah 
me and VZ will be holding that down and give our instant reaction to Florida State. Number four in the country versus number 16, Duke. As always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're on YouTube right now, I know a lot of y'all hanging out with us. Hit that like button like button before you bounce would definitely appreciate it if you subscribe to that way you get notified every time we release a new episode or a new interview a new short everything a lot of content goes out there right now so make sure you guys are tuned into our youtube page but yeah enjoy the game this weekend and we will see you guys most likely at like 11 30 or close to the morning on Sunday early, early, early morning for our instant reaction to Florida State vs. Duke. Hopefully, probably 11 ish, 30. See you guys. Have a great weekend. Peace. Not the same word, I'm a 17